Hello and welcome. We are back here for Country Roads Confidential. Starting a whole week of previews here and a lot of content online and on your podcast feed here as we get ready for the 2019 West Virginia football season. Preseason starts, well, I guess technically on Thursday, players report Friday. First practice and then 14 practices before the start of school. And before you know it, first game will be here on the 31st. And joining me in a moment, you will hear from my tag team partner, Chris Anderson. And we will go through some predictions for players and superlative performances from the camp. But first, Mr. TBT <laughs> from Richmond. I was going to say welcome back from Richmond, which is where West Virginia played. But that's little known fact where you're from. Uh, so not much of a road trip for you, but it kind of was because you were here Thursday, which kind of makes me feel inadequate since I live like mm. 100 yards from the stadium. And there you are. <laughs> but anyway, welcome back to the podcast. And how was your first TBT? It was interesting. Uh, you know, I've obviously been to a few WVU games. I've been to NCAA tournament games for West Virginia. Um, this was a more... Uh, informal experience it was you're right in on the action the players are right there they're willing to talk with you the media setup is certainly less strict they're uh, very helpful and just kind of everything's open whatever you want to do say record take pictures of wherever you want to go they're pretty open about it and um, you know I didn't get tackled for walking out on the court with a non-NCAA sanctioned cup even so it was it was a good day it was was a really nice experience wow it's so refreshing when you're allowed to take pictures of the facility and not get in (laughs) trouble for doing such a thing but anyways not that that's ever happened um i'm curious about this following it online was pretty interesting and localized here obviously it's a really big deal because these are guys from a pretty fun time who have remained visible and all that but they're far down the road uh and again little known fact richmond is not really part of virginia of West Virginia as part of Virginia, but there were still a lot of people there, which kind of goes to that six pack and a tank of gas mentality when it comes to road trips. But it seemed from pictures and videos I saw, um, it was a pretty lively atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, for the, for the event, they kind of shut down some of the seating, kept it to just one side of the arena. There's about, it was four sections with about 280 seats in every single one. So doing the math, a little over 1,100 seats. And and I would say for both of the West Virginia games, there was, by the time you got a few minutes into the game, you know, Mountain Air fans a little bit uh, on the late arrival side, uh, they would get 900 to 1,000 in almost every single one. I mean, in both games, it was quite literally, say, 950 WVU fans to 20 fans of the other team. And that was it. And something else of note and something that the TBT guys noted to me on the side is that in this group, in this regional, included the University of Richmond, VCU, which is in Richmond, Old Dominion, which is about an hour from Richmond. And yet none of those teams even came close to the amount of fans that West Virginia brought to the state, to the arena. It was really quite impressive. I expected a good turnout, but... Considering the location of the games, I thought that, say, the U of R or the VCU or the OD guys would at least bring some fans, but West Virginia fans just outshined all of them. That kind of surprised me because, and you'll know this, but it's it's kind of a sneaky basketball town. Like, there's a good amount that goes on there. And VCU, if you've never been to a game there, 
that's a blast sometimes. Their band is really cool. Their fans, and it's it's a nice arena where it's not it's not small, but it's not you know overpoweringly large. And again, you mentioned a couple schools that were in the shadow there, but was there a, a following for or against the uh, the dominant overseas elite? Oh, it was it was heavy against and. I, I mentioned before one of the games, the, the first game that Overseas Elite played, while I was sitting there doing the work, they played right after the West Virginia game. And I said, I, I wonder how many people are going to root for these guys. Do they bring fans from anywhere? And the TBT guy just started laughing, just laughing. And he said, oh, no, uh, they are booed almost everywhere they go. People, There are far more people that simply root against them than root for them. And, and I guess that's to be expected when you win – yeah, four championships in a row. Mm. Luck of the draw is not great for Best Virginia. They get the the team that has literally never lost in the tournament um, in the second round. It, it was close for a while, but just I'm wondering as you watch this, if they have the full strength roster, which let's say it includes Joe Alexander, who can probably score some points and maybe take some off the board too. And if Staten, you know, plays, if he, if he doesn't take that tumble, the day before, you get good guard play there. It seemed like that was imperative in this tournament. Um, better game, different outcome, you think? Or is the, the one seed the one seed for the reason? Well, I think for me, the big difference here was Staten. Um, Joe Alexander, obviously an extremely good player. But I think with him out, you, you still can rely on the forwards of Kevin Jones and Elijah Macon and Deshaun Butler, guys that, that can produce and did produce. But once Staten went out, that difference between the difference between Joe Alexander and, and say those other guys I mentioned is minuscule. But the difference between Juwan Staten and say Truck Bryant and Tavon Myers was substantial. It was really obvious, and it was. It, and Jared West was in a co- coach. Jared West was in a tough situation there because I think a few people mentioned on the message board. Hey, why not just go page at point and maybe say something like Butler at shooting guard? But that matchup just didn't work with what Overseas Elite had on the court because they had some more guards. You needed to have two guards, traditional guards out there for for defense and ball handling. And while you know Truck has obviously had a, a very solid career at West Virginia, and Tavon Myers has has honestly you know, flourished. Uh, while playing professionally after West Virginia, neither of them really fit the mold of what West Virginia needed at that time. They needed somebody who had could keep a calm head, who could distribute, who could play defense, who knew what was going on out there on the court at all times. And both of those guys are kind of shoot first, let's see if we can get hot and, and just keep firing away kind of guys. Yeah, Tavon would have been a great four-year Division One college player because he's taken off in his past couple of years. And I remember he was a great practice player, and he was so good at getting the to the hole, but there just weren't a lot of minutes for him, which made me think as I was watching this, wow, what might have been? And then I also remembered like just how good Kevin Jones was on extended jumpers and pick-and-roll stuff. And and how John Flowers, I mean, this is nothing against him, was not a great shooter early in his career. Like, you know, inadequate at the free throw line, but became a really good three-point shooter and very reliable at the foul line just through hard work. And his stroke looks so good now. Like, he's an actual professional basketball player, and it's paid off through years and years. What what observations for you so many years later stood out? I think the Flowers one that you mentioned was yeah. the first. I mean, my jaw dropped when he... He came on the court, and the very first play of the very first game that he got in, he catches the ball at the top of the key, 
tries to dribble his guy, jab steps him, steps back, and launches a three right in his face, and it went right in and looked like he's been doing it for 25 years. <laughs> I, and like when you think back to the John Flowers that played at West Virginia, offense is absolutely the last thing that comes to mind. So it was, I mean, my jaw, uh, maybe literally, I, I didn't see it, uh, dropped at that point. I could not believe it. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What a great teammate. What a great college player he was. I'm glad to see him continue that there, too. So we've mentioned that this kind of got some momentum. People were behind it. A really good following. I would love, I would definitely watch, like, an eight-episode YouTube series of them, like, embedded leading up to it for, like, the best Virginia runway to TBT next year, which is kind of interesting because they definitely want to keep this going, and John told you that they'll be back and better. I'm curious here. Um, in Morgantown, you think? I would think so. You know, that's that's the rumors going around. I asked a TBT official. Uh, they told me that they would be a candidate, but did not confirm in any way that that uh, that Morgantown would be a host. Uh, it sounds like they haven't made any of those decisions yet. But with the way the fans turned out, you know, that's one of the kind of um, uh, main criteria for the things they look at. It, for those who don't know, when they start setting up these TBD teams, they start an online site. You have to get fans. You have to get donations. You have to get people to sign up. They want fans. They want people to watch. They want people to go to the games. So they're picking teams based off that information, and they're going to pick hosts off that too. And West Virginia obviously made an impression in that department. Yeah, West Virginia has a, a mixed history when it comes to those online competitions. But I think that if you get more than the school behind it, and, and John's got a pretty – wide reach on social media and a lot of followers and they had that podcast in their pocket and Deshaun's a pretty influential guy too. I think they could pull it off, which would be really interesting because some of the matchups they could pull off here, you know, if it's Pitt, if it's Cincinnati, if it's Marshall, if it's Virginia Tech, if it's Virginia, I mean, there's some, some interesting regional games here. Maybe not as logical as the ones you mentioned in Richmond, but I think it would be pretty good. But who, who do you think might be on or not be on that roster next year? Because like we said, this one changed kind of at the 11th hour for different reasons. Uh, the two biggest names I'd keep a close eye on over this next year is Tariq, are Tariq Phillip and Daxter Miles. Uh, obviously, neither of them were on this team because they currently have contracts with the NBA. And, and obviously, this go, should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Javon Carter would be an absolute difference maker, but my assumption is that he is clearly going to be on an NBA team next year, so he is not going to be eligible. But Miles and Phillip are kind of on that border. Uh, Phillip was going to play before the Wizards said that he couldn't. So if either of those guys were on this team yesterday uh, or Saturday, I think they might have won that game because I think the drop from Staten to say one of those guys is pretty even. I think it would have been just fine. It would have really shored up the backcourt and solved a lot of problems that that team had. So I think those two guys, Flowers and whoever's making those decisions, those are the guys they need to focus on trying to get on this team and hope, you know, I, I guess to the detriment of their NBA future, uh, are able to play with them. 
I have two names for you. Three. How about this? Gary Brown, who's become a really good international player. I think he would have been the good guard and, and could play and do that. Um, I think it's interesting. You mentioned Dax. I'm sorry. You, that would be a good one, I think. And I was curious why he wasn't on there, but perhaps he thought he'd be in a summer league and he just didn't commit to this. And we don't talk enough about Billy D. Williams. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not biting on that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing it. Yeah, bummer. All right, let's move on. Let's go to football. <laughs> and the reason the reason that we are here, because as I said, we get into football and I can't contain myself when it comes to these things. So I have to segue as awkwardly as possible from basketball to football. And we don't know what's going to happen. That's why we're going to show up for all these interviews and press conferences and practices. But we we know enough to know a little about what's going on. So let's run through some predictions here. Um, we'll categorize this. Who do we think is going to be our MVP on offense and defense? Who's our rookie, and maybe we should call that our newcomer of the year on the squad. Um, most improved, someone where at the end of it you say, wow, that guy did a great job during camp. And then this last one, not necessarily a person. It could be a collection of people, but what's the best development? Um, in the storyline, it could be an individual aside of the ball, um, a special teams unit, who knows, but we can kind of leave that open-ended. But I'll, um, I'll let you go first here. Your offensive most valuable player. Um, when the camp period is over, who do you have? I'm I'm cheating a little bit, but I'm going with quarterback Austin Kendall. I think once we get into camp and they go through these next few weeks, I get the sense that maybe Kendall's already won the job or is close to it, and the next few weeks are just going to solidify that, and the hype is going to start building up as the next couple weeks go on. I think. You'll, you'll hear some positive reports. You'll see some coaches saying some good things about him. And and you'll see the hype build up around him and, and people talking themselves into a better season with some more consistent and stabilized quarterback play. Who's your pick? You better hope it's the quarterback. Otherwise, they're in trouble because if it's not, that means they probably don't have one. And I think they'd rather have this done sooner or later. So I will I will side with you there. Um, I do think it's very possible that the – the voices of this team and the personalities on this team and the backbone and whatever you want to call it will be your Sills and McKivitts in the offensive line. I have a hard time picking a leader or even a front runner at the running back position. And which leads me to the receivers. It's kind of hard to spend any time around TJ Simmons and not see him as someone who's really magnetic. Uh, so I think that's good. And that's part of what he has to do to raise those receivers, you know, not only, you know, in a football sense, but literally raise them. There are a lot of young guys there, but I think he's going to be a playmaker who can play inside and outside for them. Uh, and that's going to be valuable because they're probably a little short on both of them. Uh, I think they'd like to have him inside, but until they get some guys outside, that's going to be tough. But you're probably right. A quarterback, which one? I don't know, because I said that a sleeper pick for MVP the last time we spoke was Jack Allison, and I'm not going to renege on my, my uh, prediction there. Let's go defense here. Uh, I'll take this one first because – um, this one, there are a lot of possibilities because so many of the positions are, are prone to statistics or impact on the game. Um, and then not only that, but like could be lead positions on this team just because of the age of the people or the talent of the people who were there. But I can't get over that they moved Josh Norwood from corner where he was probably going to start and reasonably or you know realistically be a pretty good player for them. And they moved him to safety and we're not even sure what safety position. He's a free safety right now. He'll probably stick there. Um, but it, maybe they like 
Sean Mahone at free safety will slide him to cat. I'm not sure, but I haven't heard anything bad about him from, uh, you know, a, a, a leadership or a out front perspective in the off season, the summer here. And then every time they're playing seven on seven stuff, he's sticking his nose in and making plays. And he was good in the spring too. Um, I'll be in a different role, but I think that's the guy who's going to fly around and make plays in the defensive backfield where he's going to be able to use his instinct and his speed. And a lot of that, like kind of like uh, kind of like jitterbuggish, I think where he can fly around and do some stuff and he's not confined to one spot on one side of the field. He can kind of freelance and use his ability a little bit. So that'd be my pick on defense. Well, I've been all in on Vandarius Cowan for the beginning, mm-hmm. so I might as well stick with it. Um, you know, obviously last year it's strange because last year, he wasn't eligible to play. He was forced to redshirt because of the transfer. And throughout the year, the coaches never really talked about him. You know, Dana's stance was always, let's talk about guys who are going to play. Let's talk about guys who are on the field. But occasionally you would hear him mention guys, especially like on his weekly radio show, who were standing out on scout team. This guy you know, mentioned some random players that who had a good week or who were having a good practice. But I don't recall him ever mentioning Cowan, yet Cowan ended up, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike, uh, as the defensive scout team player of the year or whole scout team player of the year. So obviously he was making an impact, and they just weren't talking about it. And I'm wondering if maybe because he's such a hyped recruit or was such a hyped recruit and and a transfer that maybe this coaching staff is also taking this kind of, I don't want to say repressed approach to it of not talking about him too much until we get closer to the season. And now we're getting closer to the season. We're all going to see it. We're going to see him uh, out on the field. some in practice or, and it's going to be hard to hide how big of an impact he can make. So I think he's also going to get built up a lot over these next few weeks and have some momentum heading into the season. I think he'll be the talk of fall camp on defense. I famously asked Dana a question, excuse me, Dana Holgerson, the former coach, a question about Cowan last year. And I believe he gave me like a glowing review of, was it Abbott? <laughs> yeah, It was somebody not Cowan, uh, which always kind of seemed interesting to me. So yeah, that's that's not a bad one there. Uh, your scout team player of the year, by the way, on defense was Tavis Lee. Oh, uh, well. So maybe he, maybe he qualifies, but yeah. And don't forget about Cowan too. Like they really weren't even sure he was going to be on the team. The fact that he's still on the roster and in the conversation right now, that's a pretty good sign. So but nothing wrong with that one. How about a rookie of the year? Um, you can go first here because you just finished and then I'll, I'll give my answer because I want to make sure I have two written down. I want to make sure we don't overlap here, but who's your rookie of the year? Okay. So obviously I, I technically, I guess Cowan would count. Uh, Kendall would count. I've already touched on both of those. Uh both of those guys, um, oh man, this is this is a little bit tougher. I, I'm honestly going to go with uh, Taj Alston. I, I think he he's bolted up. He's had some experience at the college level um, at, at East Carolina, and then he's come to West Virginia. He spent the spring just already impressing the coaching staff, already moving to, if you're going to believe this summertime depth chart, to uh, the first string defensive end. Uh, he's, I've mentioned up, he, he he was previously listed at what, 215, 225. Now he's up 270, 280. Um, and the staff seems impressed with him. I think he's going to make an impact. I think he's outside of Cowan, maybe the defender, the new defensive player that will make the biggest impact for this team. 
Interesting. Um, which would mean that Kendall would be your Ichiro, where he would be the Rookie of the Year and the AL MVP, or the uh, MVP at the same time, then, huh? Yes. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, I was going to go with Austin. I think that's a really good pick, but for the same reasons, the fact that he's already got some seasoning is is really good. And again, he he was a guy like, what's he going to do? Is he going to play here? Is he going to play here? How much can he play? And no, he's ready to go and run around the corner. Uh, I'm going to go true rookie, and. Only because I've I like this guy's tape when I saw it, and I don't know. It's just one of those things where I don't know enough about this thing to say he's going to be good or whatever. But the things I've heard from people say that Jared Bartlett's going to be a really good linebacker, and sooner rather than later, there's a lot of stuff that and I wrote about this in my three things um, yesterday morning. But that there's some there's some Josh Chandler parallels where you know he played on a really productive trajectory in high school so he's always been the guy and he's performed and really it hasn't changed at all right now i think when he gets out there he'll play and show himself um that, that he's capable bounce around and do some things that are going to pop out because that's the one speed he knows i just don't know where they're going to have him and how he's going to fit on the field um so that'll be worth watching but i think he'll play and even if he only gets into special teams or whatever hey that's fine link her from there but i think that's a name we're going to hear a bunch about before we get out of there my other pick probably if i think about it Winston Wright's probably going to be in the slot. Someone's going to have to play that position. It seems like he's got some uh, some speed and some things that he can do there. Uh, most improved. Um, pick a side of the ball, go from there. And, and who's the guy that at the end you say, hey, man, what a great job. Um, I want to say Jeffrey Pooler because I think he's going to be a guy who is going to benefit from getting a lot of reps because that's where he ended the spring. They kind of put him in that number two spot in defensive end behind Austin, and he got better. I figured that will go. But I really like Bryce Wheaton. Um, he had a strong start to the spring. He's the receiver, redshirt freshman, 6'3". He's really big. He's got a really good body for this position and what they want to do out there. Um, he kind of tailed off at the end of the spring, and he wasn't who or what he was at the beginning. And and that just may be natural. You know, a kid is at the end of a long first season on campus and there's a whole bunch that's happened around him and it's hard to stay focused that whole time. But everything that I've heard from people say that he's had a great offseason, he's really bought into a bunch of things and he's locking down one of those outside positions right now, which they need. He's got that body. He's got speed. He can really turn those legs over and run. Um, that's a guy who at the end of the season, you may look down at the stats and say, why isn't that surprising? Um, and the reason you would say that is because he has a great camp. All right, I need some clarification here. Does Dante Stills qualify for most improved, or do we think he was too good last year as a true freshman? I would say most improved is certainly possible if you're going where I think you're going with this. So it, it's it was difficult for me to put him into this category uh, for what I just mentioned because he's he was a, an All-American in high school, one of the highest-rated recruits ever signed with West Virginia, comes in as a true freshman, and, and finishes with – only 16 tackles, which isn't a lot, but six and a half tackles for loss and three sacks and two forced fumbles in fairly limited snaps. This year, I think he takes the leap. I think he makes that jump into that sophomore season. He's got a full off season under his belt. He's more developed his body. He's going <clears> to, <throat> I think he'll probably get, I'm assuming he's going to get a lot more reps than he did last year. And he's really going to make an impact. And it, he is my pick for most improved. Tremendous upside potential right there, I think is what they would say. So that's not a bad pick at all. Finally, uh, your best development here. What's the one thing at the end of the camp you say, wow, that is great news for West Virginia? Uh, they found a punter. Does that count? <laughs> that, that's, that better happen, right? Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of going for it on fourth down. Um, I think the best development is that they figure out the quarterback situation. Uh, obviously, okay. I mean, I hate to keep going back to this, but 
newsflash, you're not going to have a good football team if you don't have a quarterback. The last time West Virginia had a quote-unquote quarterback controversy, carousel, whatever you want to call it, was that 2013 season, the one that ended horribly thanks to just horrendous quarterback play. Uh, that was the 4-8 and eight season for those who uh, kind of pushed it out of their mind. And this is, I don't want to say it's shaping up in a very similar fashion, but there was three, maybe four guys that were in contention. There was one guy that seemed like a, a the lead candidate and kind of rode that through to the end. And But the coach talked like everybody was possible to play. And, and it's happening again. And honestly, I hope it doesn't. It, they need to find one answer and go with it. And obviously, I've said, Kendall, you are picking Allison, but not picking not picking Allison. But I, they have to make a choice. They can't they can't go in. And I I think the best development for West Virginia is somebody steps up, takes the reins, and is the quarterback for this year. Well, a good sign that people are listening to us is that after I said that last week, and again, the question was dark horse MVP, and I said Kendall, but uh, I was alerted soon thereafter that. Maybe maybe Allison's got a little bit of a, a, an unspoken or perhaps even spoken edge, and there is already some delineation, uh, first team, second team. So, yeah, that, I mean, and that had better happen because you don't want that going into your last week of the preseason because that JMU game becomes a little bit tougher, and maybe so does everyone after that. My pick is going to be um, they're going to get impact from their transfers because they needed a few and, and for important positions. And let's let's exempt Kendall from this conversation because he's been here. He almost doesn't count even though he is a transfer. But, you know, they, they kind of rolled the dice on Noah Guzman. Guzman? Guzman? But Noah, the safety from junior college. <laughs> and they need somebody back there. And if he can come in and solidify things, great. But um, he's eligible. He can play. Uh, we don't know about Ruben Jones, but I or what, what position he'll play. But we know he's going to play end. Um, we know he could play tackle. Um, we don't know about Alonzo Adai. That's who I was going at for a second. Is he going to be eligible? Is he not? I think they're crossing their fingers and they have a chance that he is, and that can help them at cornerback. And we do know that uh, George Campbell is eligible. And that's a 6'4", fifth-year receiver who can play outside. And we've mentioned that they, they need some bodies and some experience outside. So uh, they already know three of those guys are going to be in. I think they feel pretty good about Guzman. Um, and then there's also a better than not chance that Sean Ryan's going to be eligible and he can help outside too. So um, two guys they're waiting on. I think that's the two guys they think are a yes and a should be yes in Ryan and a die. And then two guys they know um, Campbell and Jones that gives you help on your defensive line and the defensive backfield, which they needed. That gives you some experience and some size at receiver, which they needed. Um, and if those things come through from the NCAA and then all four of those guys are on the field, uh, they can have some some good news and, and some good results, I think, moving forward. Uh, and some spots where they needed help, too. Let's wrap up here. We are running close to overtime. Look at the clock, and um, eh, we missed it. But that's my fault uh, because it's exciting right now. We're so close to it that we're only um, really just days away and articles and previews left to go to, to get to the finish line here. So, um this is one. We'll come out many more the rest of the week here, one a day until we finally get to that Friday practice. Um, but that's all for this time. I will see you next time for earsports.com. I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for coming by. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 